Hi, I'm Ken Napsok, host of Watching Thrones. To watch this episode live and get to call in and chat with us about Game of Thrones, sign up today for a free trial membership at ScreenJunkies.com. Hello, Screen Junkies, and welcome to Watching Thrones, the first episode of our recap. Because on April 24th, Season 6 of HBO's Game of Thrones returns. And on April 25th, we will be live with our first regular edition of Watching Thrones, where you will be able to talk to us, Skype in, tweet in, break down, analyze, react, analyze, analyze, analyze <laughs> Game of Thrones with us. I'm Ken Napsok, your, uh, I don't want to say maester for this adventure. I'm like the ship captain, and I've, I'm not I'm not alone. we got a lot of people who love Game of Thrones, love talking about Game of Thrones, and I've brought some of the best ones with me today. Captaining this ship with me is Michelle Boyd. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me, Grand Maester. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, a lot to live. I'll take, I'll take the Pacelle reference. I'll take that. And uh, joining me as well is the writer of Honest Trailers, host of Does It Hold Up here on Screen Junkies plus Mr. Spencer and, res and Resident Fool. Good to be here. <laughs> You're kind of, are you our patch face? Yeah, I'm the patch face. I'm Dantos, if anything. <laughs> May you drink your fill, sir. You drink your <laughs> Cheers fill. to that. And a special guest for today's episode is a passionate Game of Thrones fan, and I love the way she watches Game of Thrones. We discussed this once off air. We'll get into it a little bit more. Tatiana Carrier. Hey, what's up, guys? Should we talk about it now? It's family secrets. Okay. Oh. It involves a lot of wine. Mm. I was just going to say, this is wine in here, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I look like a lush, you guys. No, no, that's a good thing around here. You're like our Cersei. Oh, thank you. But like a nicer version? Mm. She's beautiful. I'll just, You'll I'll take, just take it. it. You'll yeah. take it. So the, before the shame walk will come later. <laughs> before we get in, we're gonna recap here. Uh, special uh, one through five seasons. One through five. We're gonna break down each season for five episodes here that you're that you're watching or listening. Uh, if you're on iTunes, uh, we also got Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud is also our our formats out there as well. So what we're doing, breaking it down. But before we get into the breakdown, I think it's important that we all kind of uh, state where we're coming from as fans, how we got here, were you book first, were you show, were you show only, are you book only? Uh, now I should address too, uh, the books factor into being fans of the show, but it's not what this show is about. This is about celebrating Game of Thrones and breaking down the show, but that doesn't mean it certain times the books won't factor in. Now I think we should all try to limit ourselves to at least less than five times per every episode saying, well, well in the, the book, that's going to be tough. <laughs> um. It just factors in, right? <laughs> sure. Spencer, I, mean, I want to start with you. Uh, how did you get into the show? Well, it actually began with the television program. Um, I started season one, watched it all the way through, loved every single episode. It had me from the first one. And and then, uh, as it happens when you hang around Strange Maiden's Fair, uh, I got mono. Um, and I was laid out for, I don't know, three weeks in bed with nothing to do. So I steamrolled the entire book series, uh, one, wow. two, three, four, five, all in a row. And then it was time for season two. Too, and I was in. So much like Tyrion, it was a <laughs> it was a camp follower. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Was is there a show show moment that hooked you? Like particular? Like you're like this is it? Oh gosh! I mean, like episode one, Ned Stark beheading that guy. Uh, yeah. Just the um, the amount that they were able to pull together, and it was uh, it was so unlike Lord of the Rings that I was just <laughs> my jaw dropped. I couldn't wait. Most Lord of the Rings movies don't end with a incest scene, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really turn that down. I mean, Marin and Pippi, they're both hobbits. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Could have been. Could've Don't been. talk about what happens in Rivendell. Like, yeah. What happens there stays there. Stays there in Rivendell. Yeah. Michelle, same question to you. Uh, what brought you in and what was first? I was really just looking for a replacement of uh, kind of Kingkiller Chronicles while I was waiting. I needed something else to read. <laughs> so, yes, I know. Uh, so basically, I went through about the first three books before the TV show started. Um, so, I, Which is kind of how I did Lord of the Rings, too. Um, I actually tried reading Lord of the Rings before the first movie came out. Could not get out of the Shire. <laughs> Saw the first movie, was able to kind of keep all the characters straight, and then went back and read the entire book before the rest of the movie came out. So by the time the show came out, I had gotten through about midway through book three, and uh, kind of continued on throughout the series. What about the show made you stay with the show and not go, I'm sticking just books? 
Oh, was there a moment early on? The visuals, obviously. I mean, just uh, just the first scene alone with the White Walkers kind of coming after, and you had the, the headless, the headless girl, mm-hmm. um, and then going down to Ned Winterfell. Jamie Lannister, Tyrion sure. Lannister. He hooks a lot of people. He really does. <laughs> he hooks he really a lot does. of people. Tatiana, you, how'd you get here? Okay, so I am a huge HBO fan to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I just blindly trusted HBO with the series. I knew nothing about it. I hadn't read a single book. Mm-hmm. Um, but So you have to remember, I had no background. So yeah. the very first episode, I was hooked because there was so much shock value on every level mm-hmm. that I was like, I cannot believe they're doing this from the sex to the gruesome, the killings, and Jamie Lannister, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And when he it's two for Lannister, by the way, <laughs> two for Jamie, two for Jamie. Good for Nicholas. Yeah, when he shoves Bran out the the yeah. big tower, I'm just thinking like there are no boundaries with this show. Yeah. So that's when I was really hooked, and I couldn't wait to see what was going to happen throughout the season. And you were like, "This is not the sequel to Band of Brothers." I don't know why I'm <laughs> no, watching this HBO show. It was, show. No, it was a lot. Sure. This is very not intense for me. Yeah. No. I yeah. just loved those moments that they actually kept in the first episode, like Ned beheading and mm-hmm. like Bran being pushed out of the tower, yeah. because that's when you knew, oh. They're actually going to do the books. They're doing it. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm good. I'm like Spencer. It was show first. The book a series, A Song of Ice and Fire, was something kind of like I'd heard about, but it was a show. And I'm t- I was hooked early on because, like you, Tatiana, I kind of had no idea. No background. So when I got these knights in the snow, I'm like, I can dig knights, medieval times. What is these white blah? What is this guy with blue eyes? I was scared. I was terrified in that kind of excited way. Like, what am I watching? And then, yeah, the last scene, I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah, the show's described to me as The Wire with horses, and I'll see anything <laughs> described as The Wire, but with, <laughs> with blank. <what? laughs> see, like, I would have gone with The Wire with dragons. Sure, yeah. But sure, <laughs> you know, alert. to each their own. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get started into really diving into season one, we're going to take a, a little spotlight and look at what got us here, the King's Road to now. Michelle, take it away. All right, so mostly what you need to know, uh, there's two main continents in this world. You've got Westeros and you have Essos. We're going to do a very bare-bones history here of what kind of happened before the show. About 13 years before the show, you've got the First Men, the Children of the Forest. They're spirits. They come in, they fight, they have a pact of peace. Then you have the Long Night. This is where the White Walkers come in. This is where zombie time happens. Zombies come down, rage the entire continent of Westeros. Eventually, they do get beaten back, and that is where Bran the Builder builds that 700-foot wall that you love so much in the opening credits. So, you've got about 8,000 years in between that and kind of current day. Meanwhile, over in Essos, you have dragons. Dragons being born out of the volcanoes of Valyria, kind of tamed by the Targaryens, including Aegon the Conqueror. Once the volcanoes in Valyria decide, screw this, we're going to annihilate the entire city in the doom of Valyria, Aegon and his two sister conquests, together with the three last remaining dragons, migrate over to Westeros and just take over everything because dragons. (laughs) You've got about 200 years after that time until more or less present day, right before what happens in Game of Thrones with Aerys Targaryen, the Mad King. He's the one that Robert Baratheon eventually takes over for in the sack of King's Landing with Tywin Lannister and Jaime Lannister playing pretty important parts, and Robert Baratheon eventually slaying Aerys's son, Rhaegar, together with Ned Stark, coming in and taking over the Iron Throne. And that brings us up to the present day. That was amazing. We can get in. So you just summarized here. like eight to ten thousand years of history that George R. R. Martin summarizes in a like thousand-page book. book. Oh, it's so wonderful! You broke down. So, guys, good. let's dive into season one. I want to start. We're going to not go episode by episode. We're going to go kind of house and storyline by storyline. Mm-hmm. I want to start with the point of view characters from uh, season one, which is I think we can all agree the Starks, right? Yes. That's kind of where we're led to believe these are our heroes, this is our family, we're following into this world, and things go awry early on, and I am a person who always contends the Starks might be their own worst enemy. Absolutely. They might be too noble for their own good. So guys, let's go into the sins of the Starks. Where did it all go wrong, Spencer? Well, I would say they're complete idiots and uh, <laughs> and relative assholes. And this is all different from the first time I went through the show. Obviously, I'm rooting for them. And then yeah. now knowing what we know about Westeros, looking back, these people are the worst. Ah, oh, the Starks. Quick 
tempers, slow minds. Um, as you said in your amazing uh, brief history, uh, the, the realm just got through with a civil war. Just got through. Robert's Rebellion was what, 13 years before the show starts? Something like that. And the first thing they do is start another civil war. Right. Um, and, they, you know, look at what Ned gave up. He could have been the grandfather to the next king. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you have to put up with Joffrey, but you've got the whole Stark support system. You've got Tyrion. He's pretty cool. Tywin, Jaime, they're fine. You really just have Cersei and Joffrey to deal with. They could have kept the realm together, and we would have had a whole different show. Uh, now we have this war of the um, the Three Kings. None of the Baratheons <laughs> have viable heirs. Uh, the, he plunged into civil war when it really could have been avoided. Absolutely. Like I, I love going back watching season one and realizing there was that one point that Ned was almost out the door. He was out the door, packing his suitcase, grabbing his girls, and he listens to Baelish. That's definitely one of the mistakes. Oh, that was the worst. Tatiana, what are some of the things you think the Starks could have done better in season one? I just think they should have played the game. They knew what was going on. They know that it's all about, there was a quote in season one, I don't remember it word for word, but basically saying, Robert was telling, I think it was, it was he was on his deathbed saying that it was all about like games and people conniving mm -hmm. and money grubbing. I don't exactly remember what sure. it was, but that's what the whole season is about. It's about people tricking each other. Yeah. And how are they that dumb that they don't get that that's what's going on the entire time? It, it's frustrating because they're such good people and you want to like root for them, but there's so many situations. You're saying dumb. You're saying stupid. Are they just too noble for their own good? Are they just such high morality, high stocked characters, Michelle? Poor Ned just wants to be with his family. That's all he <laughs> wants. I, I mean, honestly, you know, everyone talks about Ned Stark being so honorable. Honestly, I feel like it's more his honor is wrapped up in his family. Everything he does is for his family. He was going to refuse Robert, by the way. And I know you're going to love this because Catelyn was the one who sort of convinced him to take the job of Hand of the King. We'll get to yeah, Kat we'll in a second. Yeah, we'll get to Catelyn. We'll get to, we'll get to her. But she was the one that kind of convinced him to take the job because she had gotten the letter from her sister saying John Aaron was killed, which kind of makes me feel like it's not their fault. They were cool chilling up in the North. Honestly, if anyone's to blame, it's everyone playing games down in the South, killing John Aaron. I mean, incest probably wasn't the best idea to start out with. Maybe have one heir to Robert on the throne? Maybe. Uh, but as far as, like, Ned and the Starks themselves, yes, obviously they're trying to be noble and honest and good, and that's just no place in Westeros whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But is that really their fault? Is it? Spencer? Uh, yeah, I think it is their <laughs> fault because there's a, at a certain point, um, you know, you are sacrificing, your nobility comes at the sacrifice of the entire kingdom. He, his stubbornness and his refusal to just go along with the way the game is played is killing thousands and thousands and thousands of people and plunging the realm back into like a dark age that it never quite even got out of yet. So yeah, I'm sorry that you have to have like a shitty guy married to your daughter and I'm sorry that you have to like leave your ice castle, but that's the price people have to pay to not murder millions and millions, not millions, but hundreds of thousands of people. Um, all right, let's get to this. Uh, everywhere I go when I talk about Game of Thrones, whether it's podcasts, shows, myself in my room alone, just talking <laughs> to the dark at night, I always say these words. It was all Catelyn Stark's fault. Hmm. I submit to the court. Catelyn was easily manipulated. Okay. I will say, I will say that. Uh, taking Tyrion hostage was a direct product of the lies she'd been told by Baelish about mm -hmm. the dagger that had uh, gone after Bran being Tyrion's. Uh, so I think her problem is that, like Ned, she is honest and she is trying to just look out for her family. Her family is the most important thing to her, and that blinds her to a lot of the games and a lot of things that are happening around her. Her passion leads her down a dark path. Tatiana, I'm going to put you in her mind. If you're sitting at that inn, the Crossroads Inn, and you're there with Roderick, mm -hmm. and you see Tyrion walk in, are you going to try to kidnap him? No, absolutely not. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that, I think that was the dumbest thing she could have done. Again, dumb. Because you need to understand the Lannisters are relentless, and we've seen that throughout the season. If you want to protect your family, I get the honor thing, but you have to play the game. Ultimately, she's not protecting her family because mm -hmm. now her daughters are like, you know, it, it's just a bad situation. Everybody's yeah. just kind of left alone now because everybody's doing the noble thing. Ned has no head. What, what can he do now? <laughs> now? Here's my real question. Do you think all of that stuff would have happened in King's Landing with uh, Ned being kidnapped and assassinated and everything with 
without Catelyn kidnapping Tyrion. Because I feel like that was the main catalyst, because that just sends Cersei and Jaime and Tywin and everyone off a cliff. But that's my point. But that she shouldn't have done that's it. That's my point. She shouldn't Fair have done it. Really but, but had she not done it, would it's, all of that still have occurred? Maybe at a different speed. There are a lot of moments where things could have gone differently. Somebody. I always point to, um, I think it's kind of, uh, it's Rob's fault. Um, Rob, for not taking the, uh, uh, for not taking the fray, Bride, uh, yeah. he would have doubled the size of his army and at least had a fighting chance of having the North at least sue for peace and have everything go back to normal. Um, this is a series of unfortunate events that's led to uh, the Starks w- to be where they are today. Let's it's not, not f- just Catelyn. Let's not forget Sansa, who also uh, takes Joffrey's side mm-hmm. early on on the King's Road. The whole incident with Arya and the Butcher's Boy, Michael, and and uh, her wolf jumping out and Nymeria attacking Joffrey. Uh, and then Lady Joffrey. pays for it all. Like, and Lady, Lady pays for it all. Broken up about I'm lady. I'm really passionate about lady. I'm yeah. upset about lady. I'm, oh yeah, of yeah, course. You I can't mean, kill a dog. It's like John Wick. A dog that was unrelated to the entire situation. <laughs> right. Was not lady her was that, minding her own. They're business. the real victims. That here. wolf. Yes. Yeah, the wolf. That dire wolf is a real. It's it's the Turner and Hooch rule. You can't <laughs> you can't do that. Um, what what do you think about Sansa in season one? There's a lot of sins on Sansa, but she's an innocent little dove to me. She's just kind of tossed into the deep end. She's a spoiled brat. She's a spoiled yeah. brat. Yeah, but to, in a certain sense, we are all Sansa. Um, when this. <laughs> What? We all come. We're all Sansa. We all. I'm sorry, but we all. That is not my We're all Sansa. Hashtag we're all Sansa because we all come. We all come into this show with a with baggage of oh kings are are just and knights are noble and princesses are pretty and sweet and everything like that and by the end we're wearing black and we're making out with weird whorehouse owners and stuff like that. Oh. Our journey is the, oh this is me. Okay, finger. cool. Uh, our journey yeah, is the same it. as Sansa's uh, throughout the show. That's why I have sympathy for. Her. I think she's an audience stand-in. <laughs> Never oh, heard God. that. Never heard that put out there before. I, we are all Sansa. I, I, I got accepted. I do, you know, you kind of you won me over by the end of that. Jeez. You have a point. <laughs> That's what we're going for, isn't that? Why we're rooting for the Starks is because we want the noble people to win, and we want the honorable ones no. to actually. Well, we all have different well, we aims for the show, to. right? Yeah, we. St- I feel like we started out that way. That was why Ned's death was such a shock. It was a shock because he was the good guy, right? Yeah. He was the good guy. Speaking of good guys, he's a Stark, sort of, depending on what theory you believe in. <laughs> um, John, John Snow. Oh, John um, Snow. John Snow. You guys, yeah, look at, look at <laughs> oh, John Snow. John, oh. John Snow. How, 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 what was your first perceptions of him in season one, especially early on? Did you take to the guy right away? Did you get what he was doing? Did you consider him pouty? I love the scene with Tyrion talking about, hey, own who you are. They'll never hurt you. It's a great moment. And, and it think Took a while for Jon Snow to get to that point. What do you, what's your impressions of Jon Snow early on? It's kind of whiny. Whiny. Aww, a little bit yeah, whiny. I would say mopey. He's a little bit mopey. Whiny. A little he's bit mopey. just a little angsty, guys. He doesn't know who his mother is. He's like, he's just, he's an angsty teen. But oh, he doesn't know how emo. good he has it. But, he I mean, doesn't. he's a bastard. And look at the other uh, bastard that I think is in season one is, is Robert Baratheon's bastard, who's just yeah. hitting an anvil um, all day. Gendry. Like, Gendry, yeah, yeah, he's just stuck in like flea bottom hitting an anvil. And Jon Snow, he gets to hang out in Winterfell. He gets to wear a nice cloak. He has a wolf. Um, he has it better than he thinks. Absolutely. He gets trained in swordplay. He's basically a son, except for Cat. Catelyn. Well, that's so back, part you know, of the argument her, and that's- on his side is Catelyn really, and it's revealed later on in other seasons we'll go into in the other episodes, but Catelyn really, really despises the guy. She's just so cold to him. I've, I've come to say goodbye to Bran. Well, you've said it. Get out of here. Go, go. Yeah, but in that moment, even when he came to say goodbye, I saw a little something in Catelyn's eye when Jon yeah. Snow kissed Bran. Like, there was a moment where she mm-hmm. was like, okay, they're brothers. Like, you you saw her. Was that? But he's living evidence that, you know, Ned be creeping. So yes. it's got to be so tough to live with. But it's very common yeah. in that so time thinks. for that to happen, too. So sure. it's not like this complete, like, oh, my, not today. That wouldn't fly today. Like, my bastard <laughs> child rolls into breakfast. I'm not going to be happy about it. But back in the day, it was more common than we think. Well, right. it's very common. I mean, there's a reason they had all of the different names for all of them. Obviously, right. it was kind of a common occurrence. Yeah. Yeah. Rivers, hills, Rivers, storm. sand. So, whatever. Um, were you on board as John being kind of an up-and-coming hero by the end of the season, though? Or did you can still kind of consider him whining? mopey angsty well, sure he's growing into it but I'm against the entire series premise that there are these magical heroes I don't like that we're building up to these legends rising back from the dead and stuff like that I like it because it's real people put in this situation or right. it feels like real people in a real situation right. the more mystical and the more prophecy based the show gets the less I'm interested but the fact of the mm. matter is that's where the land started you had all of these mystical beings. Allegedly. These white, allegedly. These White Walkers have come down. You had the legend of the last hero. You yeah, had but like, Zora we High say the Earth is 6,000 years old and we created 
it in seven days. Like, who knows where any of this stuff There's came magic. from? There's magic. Deal with it. <laughs> we, you, need, you need to take a trip to the wall. Maybe go north. <laughs> piss off the end of the world and see a giant or two. Uh, guys, meanwhile in Pentos. Let's go over, cross the narrow sea, to the other key thing of the first episode and definitely the first season is uh, Daenerys Targaryen, uh, Khal Drogo. We've got my favorite character of all time, Sir Jorah Mormont. <laughs> Forever the bridesmaid. Uh, that was... I re- <laughs> right. Friend zone for life. I remember watching that first episode and it seemed like there was this weird story off to the left and I didn't gravitate to it a little bit later on, uh, but let's walk through Danny, who's definitely a favorite, and where she starts and where she ends is one of the biggest arcs in the show. But uh, early on, what are your feelings of Danny and uh, the story in Essos? Yeah, you're right. It's only in hindsight that you realize how important and how related her story is to the rest of it. Because now, you're, uh, looking back, you're like, oh, she should be on the throne. Um, right. If you're a Targaryen loyalist, she deserves to sit and rule over Westeros. Uh, she believes that. No one else does right now. And I think that, uh, you know, I've enjoyed watching her arc. Um, and uh, uh, I'm not on her side, but I think she's a great character. Interesting. A lot of people, especially as we get on and on on the seasons, kind of don't take Danny's side. And But going back first season, she was definitely a favorite. I first season, that. for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, I, I think you're right. As seasons go on, and we can get into that for other recap mm-hmm. shows, but definitely for this particular season, uh, the way she was written, kind of from this frightened teenager to you know being taken advantage of, basically being sold by her brother mm-hmm. uh, for an army, uh, to kind of coming into her own power, both as a woman, as a leader, uh, it's just fantastic. I think it was a great arc. That's true. I did like season one Danny yeah. better. And season one Danny was great. It's always better to, to get sympathy for a character. You put her next to someone even more horrible, which is her older brother, her brother. Viserys. Viserys is absolutely a abomination of a character, but so fun to watch, especially going back early on. He's like, he's so over the top. Who would win in a fight, <laughs> Joffrey or Viserys? Ooh, Viserys. Wow. Joffrey's like a little puny. But they're both but they're so bad. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like Viserys is smarter. It ends in tears on both sides. One of my favorite moments, maybe it's because I'm a Sir Jorah guy, is when he stands blocking Viserys at the at the tent over in Vostok Dothrak, and, and uh, here you stand, here I stand. And Viserys is like, okay. Okay, fine. How about Amelia Clark handling that role? It was one of her first major acting roles, if I if I am correct on that there. Did you I, take the role? I'm a huge, huge fan of hers. Yeah. Um, just in general, I think she's She's an excellent actress. I loved seeing her character evolve. Into, she starts out very vulnerable, and she's like a scared teen. And you see her pain as she's going, she's getting sold. Her brother's basically like grossly touching her, and all these like aw- really awkward moments. As Targaryens do, yes. That she, that she had to go through. And then you see her kind of like find her power yeah. in that moment when she's eating the horse's heart, and she just swallows that last piece down, and you're like, she's a warrior, you know? And that to me was like, she does not mess around. I'm gonna ask you two, and yeah. I'll ask you too, Spencer, it's only fair. <laughs> Would you have done that to impress your man? Absolutely. Eat a horse heart? Yeah. Totally. It wasn't just to impress her man. It was to strengthen it was, the child yeah. within. It was, I exactly. get it. It's everything. It's a bigger it thing. It's everything. Yeah. It's not just about dating. No. But, I mean. It's about becoming a Dothraki. And she was trying to prove herself. This whole time, I feel like she's been pushed around by, by her older brother. And now this yeah. is her moment to, like, that was her moment. Huh? That was her moment. And clearly a moment when Viserys finally snapped. He was watching it like, oh, they love her. This is that. real. Yeah. I'm not the one. Yeah. Right. Can't let a good horse heart go to waste. Absolutely. <laughs> Good point. Uh, let's talk about another main character over there. That it was uh, uh, season one was his season, Cal Drogo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just a captivating character, so popular, and really outside of a vision appearance later on in season two, that's his season. That's his, that's what he's got to play with. He made such an impact. Why? The makeup. <laughs> the makeup, the henna tattoos, uh, the, the creatine. The, he's the toll package. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's just a uh, in a world full of brutality, you get this guy that's even further gone than mm-hmm. the rest of Westeros. That that this is a guy that wears no armor and he commands these other beefy looking Conan guys. Right. I mean, he's a badass on a show full of badasses. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you're he's right. He's the ultimate badass. He is the ultimate badass. I had to ask, too, because I, I was like, why did he create such a good impression? And I was like, from a guy's perspective, and I was at a bar, naturally, when I asked sure. this, and uh, just asked the bartender who also watched Game of Thrones, and he just goes, 
he's a badass motherfucker. Like, <laughs> that, I was like, all right, done, done and done. But how much, uh, yeah, you're right. And how much is it because he, he, he reveals and learns to have this soft side? Tatiana, he, is that oh, what grabs it? I love seeing his soft side. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm the sucker of the panel. <laughs> tell me, tell I'm me about be, it. like, the emotion of the panel here. I love that moment when Khaleesi kind of took charge when they were having an intimate Relations. moment. And yeah. she, she, it's sex, you can say. It. Yeah, boning next to when a horse. She, yes, <laughs> when they were doing it. Next to a horse. So when they were getting weird. You can tell he, was, he kind of, in that moment, fell for her on a different level, and I loved that. I felt that they had a true connection in that moment. And when he was waking her dragon. And everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that moment, I think, changed them as a couple. And, was so, pivotal. We have another hashtag. Waking <laughs> Wake the her dragon. dragon. Wake the dragon. Yeah, but that, that very dragon. much was it, Tatiana. That right? was my moment, guys. It, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was her moment. It was his moment. It was them coming together. Yes. And I think that's why their arc is so good. It's two people growing. They connected in that moment. And mm-hmm. he's this horse warlord that's ferocious. And he is the ultimate badass. But then he, he's, uh, he's also like, hey, that's my lady. Kind of gets him killed. Sure. Kind of leads For to his sure. death. Yes. I think he was kind of showing off. No, but no. Oh. I, didn't just, I didn't think it was just who he was. Okay, take me through that. Because that's well, a key moment that broke a lot of my best friend. who's was a hard, hardened cop. He's a detective. He still can't get over that Cal Drogo died because of that wound. He's still brokenhearted. So take me through it from your perspective. Well, there was a question for me uh, because even with uh, Miri Mazdor basically put, you know, that putting that putting poultice some mulch on, on and everything. It. Yeah, but here's the thing. Yeah, just like, sprinkle and, some mulch on there. And, It'll I, be you fine. Know what? and I, get my one, I get my one mention here. In the book, yeah. what happens, uh, Cal Drogo rips it off and he doesn't yeah. keep it on mm. uh, despite what she says. Hmm. So to me, there was always kind of a question of, yeah, I don't think the you know Miriam Maz really wanted him to be healed necessarily, but it did she actually kill him, or was that actually a healing poultice, and it would have been fine had he kept it on and not done his Cal Drogo thing of mm-hmm. I don't need no woman's help. Mm, like, right. so I honestly don't know. Hmm. But they ditch that in the show, right? He keeps it on, I and then they, keeps it they on try the some freaky horse magic, and that and only just, makes things worse. Yeah. The dead will dance here tonight. That's one of the freaky uh, moments. Yeah, don't go in that tent. Yeah. Don't go in that tent. <laughs> so yeah, sure, Jorah. Carry her into the tent. Uh, yeah. He's a good dude. I'm going to defend my man to the end. He's going to do what he's going to do. <laughs> he's a spy. Traitor. Traitor. <laughs> Death horse is dancing in a tent. But Let's basically, Cal Drogo, queen. Cal Drogo needed to go for Danny to have her whole arc. I mean, he, if he's still around, then he's running the show. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's an excellent point. Let's go back over to Westeros. Let's talk about uh, my favorite new uh, Netflix documentary series not yet made, The Rise of King Joffrey. Uh, This is the season. Making a murder. (laughs) Making making (laughs) a monster, as we call it here. Um, This is, uh, became one of America's most hated characters. Poor Jack Gleason, who does an amazing job of portraying this character. So good. He's quit acting forever, (laughs) guys. Well done. Well done. He was. Do you think him and Jake Lloyd have drinks together? <laughs> <laughs> touchy, touchy. Early on, he's bad. At what point did you guys really gravitate to wanting to have him die a painful death, Tatiana? Ooh, so many moments. So many moments along the way because he did this like really pricky things. Yeah. But the worst was when he had Ned killed. That to me was like you're such an asshole. And he he went back on his word. Yeah. Because though it showed that he has no problem making a promise and breaking it. And to me that's like the complete opposite of what a king would do. Interesting. I want to come back to that if I hear your moments. So what, what moment really for you, Joffrey? Oh, just even like the first real moment you had with him yeah. when uh, he came across Arya and Micah sword fighting and right. threw a tantrum, a hissy fit because he got hit by a girl and she threw his sword in the water. Uh, and then you know, and then ended up having Sansa, his betrothed, yeah. her wolf killed because mm. he just couldn't stand for anyone to know that a girl hit him. Yeah, I mean, just that alone. That it was alone, just, it sets up his entire yeah, I mean, character that's, and that's perfectly. Episode, yes. episode two on the King's Road, and yeah. that's absolutely a great moment. I guess for me, I think this was season one when he makes Sansa look at Ned's that severed, was season one. severed yeah. head. Was that season um, one? I thought yeah. that was okay. That no, must no, have been the it, last episode. It was the last episode. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that's when you know he go, he's not just an he's egomaniac. Sick. He's he's a sadistic person. Right. That he's he's pure evil. That he's not just uh, uh, full of himself. The, you both make great points, then, because we're early on. I'm with you, too. Like, even episode one, he's like, oh, I'm just like, this guy's out. But you guys talk about moments that really solidify this guy, that he isn't just kind of a little snotty kid. Right. He's a he's, he's, a, he's hellspawn. He, well, he's hellspawn. Yeah. And then the thing about no trust. That's which, when I want him killed, because right. you can't trust him. In those moments, I kind of chalked him up as 
bratty teen. Yeah. You can't deal. Ego, you know. But that moment when he killed Ned, I was like, he needs to die now. Right. That was my... And then, again, to your point, Spencer, it's an excellent point. I really never thought of it in that broken down term. It's like, oh, oh we've got a sicko here. He's yeah. sick. And this mm-hmm. is going to be a problem. And yet, isn't it sad and so great of Game of Thrones that everyone probably would have been better off if he stayed alive? Okay, just except for Sansa. The, just because now you have a villain? <laughs> well, no, just, just because, because now you don't have, have another the war, Civil War. the Five Kings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, it's bad. Sorry for the uh, people that get brought to his chambers, but for the rest of the world, we're, we're in business. You don't care about uh, Littlefinger's prostitutes. You're, you're, you're good with that. You're good with that. <laughs> I'm oh, not good. that was the most it's, uncomfortable yeah. thing, and I watched it with my mom. <laughs> oh, no. Do you know the scene I'm talking yes. about? Yes. Where, yeah, with where, the two. Where Roz with the two. Is, and I oh, no, Roz you, is having to spank no, no. the girl. Oh, yeah, with the two girls. That was Roz, right? Yeah, yeah. The two girls talking about power while other things were Oh, you're talking about Baelish and, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to come back oh, yeah. to that oh, scene. Sorry, for sure. I skipped. Sorry. There's a lot of episodes and scenes that you shouldn't watch with your parents. I learned that Does Joffrey have any redemption? Any redemption, Michelle? I literally had to go looking for one. Uh, and the only moment that I came across, and this happens later, so I'm not sure if it can count, but is when he called Tywin a coward in the small council chamber. Hmm. I was like, this one moment of, oh, crap. Okay. You're going to stand up for, for yourself against your grandfather. That's your reden- That's a great that was, moment. That was the Best thing I could come up uh, with. Yeah, you're digging, mm. but that was it. It's because you felt he was a real leader, or you felt like he was like fighting it back against. I thought because he was, he was actually kind of fighting bred back. to be this king. Well, because you know, like that didn't come from his mom. That right. didn't come from his dad, uncle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> like that was actually just from himself, and actually kind of standing up against his grandfather and yeah. against this major who basically was the king at that point. Essentially, yeah. So and before, yeah. I, I thought that yeah. was kind of a cool moment. I'm not entirely sure if it's redemptive, but it's close. It was kind of cool. It's close enough. Nothing. You're shaking your head. Nah. You're that was, that was nope. it. Though. Nope. Spencer, yeah, the only all. redeeming factors are just the circumstances of his birth, that he's a child of incest, so that's a strike against you before yeah. you're even out the womb. And then, you know, his dad is off hunting and whoring and drinking instead of spending time and, and you know, playing throw the beggar's head back and forth or whatever. He, he missed <laughs> out, I'm sure. <laughs> One of Westeros' most it, popular yeah, games. And then his mom oh, yeah. is Cersei, so it, it's a tough life. Let's talk about Cersei. Cersei Lannister, I refer to her as my Game of Thrones girlfriend. Um, <laughs> I love Lena Headey's portrayal of this character. It's amazing. It's awesome. Um, but she... I find there's a lot of sympathy to be had in that character. Season one, it's the hardest maybe to find, but it unfolds later on. We'll get into that in other episodes. But in season one, it's all about power, the love of her brother, which is weird, and then breeding her son to be this ruler. Um, What do you guys think about Cersei, her plan for Joffrey, and just her as a maybe sympathetic character? Tatiana, you're scratching your eyes. There was a moment I felt really bad for her in mm-hmm. season one was when she was talking to Robert and she asked Robert if he had ever felt anything for her and he looked at her and said no. Like yeah. the guy didn't even lie to just give her a little something. He straight up said no and mm-hmm. you could see the pain in her eyes because she was basically coming forth and saying I, I felt something for you at some time and trying to yeah. form a connection and he was not on that program. That's a great mm-hmm. scene. It's one of my favorites in all of the five seasons and uh, Mark Addy as, as Robert Baratheon is Perfect. amazing and, and really I really think Anchored that season along with uh, with Sean Bean as Ned Stark, but yeah, it's a great moment because she's. W- was there any chance? Yeah. No. Well, no. let's not no. forget, like when Robert Robert was the star of Robert's Rebellion for a reason. Like right. he was a big, strapping, awesome warlord type guy. Like yeah. you know, with his warhammer, he there's a reason he was able to kill Rhaegar Targaryen. So mm-hmm. I think you know, yeah, she may not have loved him, but I think there was a shot at it at one point or another. But he was so in love with Lyanna Stark, mm-hmm. there was just no way. No way so unfortunately, and you know, I think they might have been happy, and she might have had a shot, but and maybe there'd be no incest, and maybe that you maybe, know, maybe, maybe, maybe there'd be, no there be an actual trueborn son. There as actually you, was that as scene, you said before, yeah, with, with yeah. Cersei and Robert, where she's saying, "I was excited on my wedding day; I couldn't wait," and then he called me Lyanna. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the first time. I mean, as you said, like, there's so many moments of. Oh, this could have gone a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think she was broken long ago, but I think that scene particularly, really, you watch Cersei break for the final time. Like, oh, everything definitely 
the last 20 years has been kind of a lie or, or, mm-hmm. or kind of a ruse. Uh, anything about her sympathetic yeah, to you, Spencer? Yeah, I mean, it, it, listen, she loves her family. Who doesn't? Yes. Uh, sure. But I think that it's actually limited. It, Tyrion. It, it's, it's limited to, exactly, it's Doesn't all play, all of her Tyrion eggs are in Joffrey's basket. Um, <laughs> right. And it's partly in Jamie's. But she doesn't listen. To, it blinds her to Tyrion and it blinds her to Tywin, who could give her good advice and maybe steer the family in the right direction. She doesn't respect the family overall, but she loves. she just loves her son so much that it's blinding her to everything else. Right. Which we can understand. Well, and she tells Joffrey, too, you know, basically, anyone except us is the enemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that is her main credo, and that is what gets her into trouble. And, the, and there is that scene that, you, that you're referring to where she's kind of coaching Joffrey, mm-hmm. and it's right uh, before he becomes the king, right? Mm-hmm. Because Robert's still alive. He hasn't gone hunting yet, or maybe he is hunting. Um, and, and she's walking through strategies with him, and he's like, ah, kill them all, kill them all. And you see her, maybe in that moment, lose control or start to lose control, and I think she definitely loses control by the time of Ned's beheading. Was there, do you kind of, did you understand or get or gather why she, like, all right, she's doing, trying to do good, kind of breed, breed a good king, or is just Joffrey a lost cause? Yeah, I think she knew. This yeah. kid was this kid was trouble, but uh, she just needed, uh, it, it was kind of an extension of herself because she's so reluctant to give up the Queen Regency. So yeah. we know that this is like her and her son. There's some definite boundary issues there. Definitely. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, 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 not wanting to give something up. The people who give something up a lot are the men of the Night's Watch, where if I was in this world, I think that's where I'd be living. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of, Spencer, really? you, that, that pained look on your face. I mean, come on. I take a not bow. Dorn? I don't have, Dorn, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm more Get of a, door. I'm yeah. more of a go to a cold place. Leave me alone oh, for a while. Yeah. No, yeah. that'd it's, be the worst. It's, right? it's, 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 a, it's a, literally it's, the worst. Uh, someone's yeah. got to do it. Someone's got to do it. You're just <laughs> shooting <laughs> arrows at poor people. <laughs> That's all. Well, when you put it like they that, they don't know that there's monsters yet. Let's go though to the Watchers on the Wall, the Men uh, of the Night's Watch, and the North, the True North. Um, Jon Snow joins the Night's Watch. It is not what it used to be. It is this historic. Uh, honored kind of thing to do and the vows to take and he gets there and, and Tyrion is the only one to tell him the truth. It is uh, it is not what it used to be. Um, John's journey at the wall and how he gets there. Um, do you guys agree with John or would you have stayed at the wall or would you have joined your brother in the new rebellion? Uh, I think you got to stay. Um, it's a not just in hindsight where you know it's a lost cause, but that uh, the that powerful speech that Amon Amon Targaryen yeah. uh, uh, gives him, and, and you realize that uh, the things that he stood on the wall for, well, all the Targaryen Dance of Dragons mm-hmm. or whatever the succession was going on, and he if he was able to stay out of it, then I think that really hit home for me. Then so could John. So could John. Fair enough. Fair point. Would you guys? I think it was very in character of him to stay at the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it kind of goes along with the Stark bloodline. There's honor. He mm-hmm. wanted to keep up with his vows. Uh, and honestly, I'm sure there was a part where, uh, you know, if Ned had been alive, Ned would not have wanted him to mm-hmm. desert his brothers. And so, and I, you know, Rob probably would have felt the same way. So I think it was kind of all of that combined that made him go back. Is it also a big lesson for him, Tatiana, too? Because he does try to run away, and it's his buddies, uh, Sam and Pip and Gren, and everyone comes and, and kind of brings him back. And Jorah Mormont says, uh, honor brought you back. And he's like, uh, Mormont's like, not your honor, kid. <laughs> <laughs> is that maybe John's final lesson to drive him for the rest of the series is about that honor? I think so. And staying who you are? Yeah, I think so. And it's, like Michelle said, it's in line with what the Starks have taught all along. Right. Right, absolutely. Uh, I do want to jump back a little bit to go down to King's Landing, talk about the Mockingbird, the Spider, and the Cripple. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about them in other shows where they factor in a little bit be- uh, bigger. bigger. Um, but this is Baelish, Lord Varys, and Tyrion Lannister, who's immediately uh, one of everyone's favorites. You grab onto him early on, uh, I think in episode one, with uh, uh, Dinklage's hair and You're makeup. You're describing a lot Tyrion different. as a cripple? That's well. Yeah, that's wait, yeah. I was thinking, who's the cripple? It's okay. kind of who he is. Brand? Brand's the cripple. Well, that he's a, yes. The, the less said about Brand, Brand, the better. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about they me. certainly don't uh, care the, as much. Last and, season, and less uh, um, you say about Rickon is even better. Yeah. All right, but let's talk about okay. those guys and the different. I want to focus on the different kinds of power. In Westeros and Essos too, uh, there's kingly power. There's this, but there's these guys who are kind of working in the shadows. And season one, they're not as big as you think. Are you kind of oh, these these weird dudes on the small council? But really, they're the ones who might be pulling all the strings, or the ones who might save us the best. Best. So, what are your reactions to uh, to those guys, Baelish, Varys? I honestly, my 
my real first experience with Varys being a power player was uh, when Arya overhears him talking to Illyrio mm-hmm. down in like the basement of King's Landing with all the dragon skulls, and you kind of realize that like everything that's sort of been happening over in Essos with Daenerys, Varys has had his hand in that too. Yeah. Uh, so you really like that was the first time you know, and the book in the book too, where you really kind of question what exactly is their end game? What are they hoping yeah. for? How you know how is everything kind of going about that? So that mm-hmm. that made it far more interesting to me and I really wish that Arya had been able to tell her dad about it but <laughs> yeah well, she couldn't tried. quite get there she, she tried. tried but yeah dad, dad there were dragons and <laughs> there were scary shadows and men I don't no, know no she did say they're yeah. gonna try to kill you yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure she did but, say that and but he then was, mixing it up but Ned was probably like yeah so yeah, is yeah, everyone yeah, here sure, so everyone wants yeah. and that was the moment, yes, one of the moments yes honey I know when Ned's packing up to leave um, oh I hate that moment why why jump to that moment then why you want is that that's a key moment you want it again blindly trusted and mm. went you know like pack up your girls and go none of that would have happened right so right I mean that's that it. was a moment when I was like no don't don't do it don't, don't do it no. don't do it he's like it'll only take an hour no, no. you don't need that hour you know uh, Spencer is Baelish the most powerful man in Westeros I mean he deserves to be uh, mm. I think that the, these characters are also interesting to me because Westeros is not a meritocracy. Um, You can't go to, you know, uh, college and get a degree and take out, pay back your student loans and go to law school or whatever. You have to find alternate ways to power if you're an intelligent, ambitious person. And Baelish is his sex. Uh, He he uses sex or people's desire for sex, which he has in a very specific way directed toward Caitlyn. But um, he uses that uh, to his advantage, and that's his ladder that's that's been uh, handed down him that he's climbing. And Varys uh, probably uses influence, I'd say. And yeah. Tyrion is just so smart. He's just, yeah. uh, he has a family name to himself, but he's seven steps ahead. He's playing chess, everyone else is playing chess. Right. What point did uh, Tyrion kind of become one of your favorites? Because I have not met anyone who's when like. He slapped, when he slapped Joffrey. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was the moment you kind of feel like Tyrion feels that he has nothing to lose. Yeah. Like he'll just do anything. Yeah. He's not scared. So I got, that I was like my it. moment. I loved him. Michelle? I think uh, even in the first couple episodes when he has that conversation with John, uh, the one that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. where he's talking about, like, be what you are. Like, you're a bastard. I'm a dwarf. Deal with it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> We're both bastards. That's what's happening. We're both yeah. bastards in our father's eyes. Like, you, you, know, you just kind of have to accept your lot in life. And I liked that that was his... Defense, not defense, but really, like that was his stance mm-hmm. throughout his life. Like he just kind of like, okay, this is where I am, and this is what I'm good at, and this is what I'm gonna do. Yeah, great moment, great moment, Spencer. Uh, I, I think for me, it's probably when he was playing the uh, the. I liked him before, but I really liked him when he's playing the uh, the truth game with uh, with Shay mm-hmm. in, yeah. the, in the camp, mm-hmm. and then you know, drink, and you you get that he's uh, he thinks of himself as such a good judge of character, but he's still so sensitive, and he's really such a soft heart that's had to become so hard to stay alive in this world. Right. Absolutely. Uh, God bless Peter I Dinklage. Love, yeah. <laughs> such no great one job. else, and I mean, I'm sure most everyone knows this trivia, yeah. but there was nobody else considered for that role. Just him. That role really? was only offered to him. Not Warwick, Warwick Davis. Nope. Wow. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked as Tyrion would have been good. Uh, yeah, for me, same stuff. Uh, those moments, but it's it, it is on the wall. I actually love that scene when he and Yorn are joking around, and and uh, and uh, Uncle Benjen comes in and uh, is uh, treats him pretty bad, even though I like Benjen. And it's like there's some humanity. And then when he makes the saddle for Vaughn, oh, yeah. yes, like, oh, I this, love that. He's moment. got a heart. He's a good guy. He's uh, got a tough tough road ahead of him, and he and he shields himself so well with what he does. Um, I want to talk uh, briefly in the time remaining about what I feel is the best episode of Game of Thrones. Other things have gotten bigger and better. The budget is bigger. But I think the penultimate episode and the template for what makes a good episode just might be episode seven, you win or you die. In this one, we have uh, Robert dies, King Robert dies, the debut of Tywin Lannister, Baelish's sex position scene that you and your mother watched, (laughs) Jon Snow takes his night's watch vows, and uh, Ned captured uh, ends with the biggest bad Backstab uh, around with Baelish going, I told you not to trust me. Um, <laughs> thoughts on that episode and maybe more importantly, what you guys think makes a great Game of Thrones episode? Well, there's a couple different types of great episodes. Uh, this is probably the best all-around episode of Game of Thrones, but there's also the great set-piece episode, like Hard Home and the Battle right. of Blackwater, Blackwater and stuff like that. But this is uh, this one I love because it's got a few things going for it. One, it's a coming together of storylines rather than a splitting apart, which it, you need to have so that it can be great when they come together. But this is when everything kind of builds to a conclusion. Um, and then also, uh, it's got does it have any brand in it? 
It's uh, mm. got some brand. Ah, I damn mean, it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it. It doesn't fulfill my no brand quotient, which is a big part for me. <laughs> so you love season five. You're like, no, yeah. no brand ever. Exactly. Uh, and it's got a great twist at the end, which is yeah. essential. Which is it becomes, again, kind of this template that we almost kind of expect that stuff too yeah. much there. Uh, Tatiana, Michelle, what do you guys think about that season? And what makes great episodes for you guys? What makes a, when you, like, that was a great episode. What's I mean, the, obviously, finding out that Ned's being betrayed and, you know, yeah. manipulated, that was, I kind of felt that was happening the whole time because it was all just a little bit sure. too, too contrived. Easy. Yeah. Um, but I really liked the conversation, and I, I'm not sure if this was um, episode seven, mm-hmm. but it was when Cersei was having the conversation with Ned, and Ned was basically just like, leave. No, that is, that is this that episode. Is this okay, episode. Perfect. She, she proclaims you win or so you die. So that sticks out to me as one of my favorite conversations. Yeah. Um, in the entire season, and and that's when it shit got real, basically. Yeah. So yeah, then that, that, that was a big turning point for me. Yeah, and that moment for me, that's why I love this episode so much. Is it basically is the whole show? It's like no, it, seriously, it like, explains what the game you're of playing. Thrones the game of Thrones yeah. is you yeah. win or you, you die. Oh, you say the show title in the dialogue. <laughs> right, wink to the camera. That's the Game of Thrones. <laughs> Michelle, what grabs you about this episode, and maybe other better or best episodes? I, what I liked about this episode was that. It kind of felt like the season was all kind of building up and like you're running up to the edge of a cliff and you're being pushed towards the edge of a cliff in various storylines. And this was the moment where you've gone over, the fall hasn't happened yet, but like there's no going back. You know, Robert's dead, uh, Ned's captured. These are the things, like the tipping point has happened and now there's no going back and you can only fall downward. That's what I. That's what I really liked about this. And as you said, like storylines kind of coming together instead of being split apart. So I liked all of that kind of interweaving together, and just like it was a lot of oh shit, what's going to happen next? Right. You know, are there spikes at the bottom? What's going to go on? <laughs> for yeah, for me that moment at the end with Baelish and the knife, and oh, I told you not nope. to trust me. I'm like, oh, this is now every episode kind of has to have that moment to me, or I feel like <laughs> there's something out. So what we're going to do now is ultimate power moves. We're going to talk about these real quickly here. Number three, Jamie shoves Bran out of a window. Number two, Littlefinger betrays Ned to the Lannisters, as we talked about in episode seven, You Win or You Die. And number one, Cal Drogo kills Viserys with molten gold, a crown for king, which basically inspires his Dothraki horde and Danny to go on their mission, though it's a long winding road, to take back Westeros. There's some other bonus ideas there. What do you guys have for ultimate power moves? Ooh, out of those three? Out of those three, or what else you got? Well, it's a short-sighted power move, but having Ned Stark killed, uh, you know, that's, talk about keeping in the family, um, you are, you're basically solidifying that it's Lannister or bust from that point onward. Stupid, but powerful. Absolutely. Tatiana? I think when Jamie shoves Bran out the window for sure, only because it sets us up for the rest of the entire series, and you know what's, it's just no boundaries, it's gonna get real, and there are, <clears throat> there's nothing that the Lannisters won't do to take power. So for me, that was a, a massive power move. Great point. Sure. Um, Catelyn kidnapping Tyrion. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. Was... At the Crossroads Inn. Uh, because, as you said, you've already found out in the show that the Lannisters will stop at nothing to secure power and to protect their family. And right there, you had a direct attack on both. And that just set up so much of what happens for the rest of the season. Absolutely. And one of the bonus moments that I think it's not fair to list because it basically starts everything is is Littlefinger having John Aaron killed through her husband, which we learn later on, of course. But that kind of the ultimate power move because that's why we're here. Uh, Now we are going to go into our top three. These are things inspired by season one. They might go outside of the season. And uh, then uh, I'm going to see what you guys react. Uh, Tatiana, you might like this and your mother might not. It is the top three sex position scenes in Game of Thrones. (laughs) When in doubt. Number three, it's from season two, Theon and the ship captain's daughter. Some of the most awkward sexual relations in Game of Thrones. As (laughs) Theon proclaims why he's back and what has happened it gives us some great insight into Theon though it might not be the most enjoyable scene to watch number two Viserys and Dorea in the bathtub this little handmaiden hired by Viserys to teach his sister the ways of love uh, she has a lot of history she's been around she talks about faceless men if you go back to that scene there's a lot of history that she is expositioning as she 
is in a bathtub. Sex positioning. With <laughs> Ferris. And, of course, number one, the one that started it all. Literally, this is a scene that inspired the review with the word sex position. It is Littlefinger's monologue where Roz and the other prostitute, mm-hmm. shall we say, role play. <laughs> this is the one, you guys. Oh. This is the one. Hi, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. How, what was it? Was there a calm, quiet moment where you both I just stared off into the void? I just got on my phone and started texting. <laughs> because it, it, I thought it was going to be over after like 10 seconds because most sex scenes in yeah. the series don't last that long. Three minutes in, she's fisting. And I'm... <laughs> can yep. I say that? Hashtag fisting. Three minutes I mean, in. I... It was a lot for Absolutely. our family. <laughs> I, I, I watched it alone and I was uncomfortable. Like I was yes. like, I hope no one knows I'm watching this show right now. Uh, was there other scenes quickly? That well, those, you... those are my favorites when you're watching at the gym. <laughs> you're just like, just looking over. You're like, I'm not watching porn. It's, it's HBO. I'm sorry. Watched... Or like any sex scene with Tyrion, yeah. I can't help but laugh. It's just like, oh. I, it's so cute. It's like, I think the first episode he was getting a blowjob. And then yes. he's like. Yeah. That's how it starts. Yes. That's, that's how we meet him. Yeah. So it was just like that was great. Yeah, absolutely. It does set up his character pretty much it's right away. Sex great highlights. Yeah, Spencer, uh, I think sex vision, baby, I'll, hit I'll, me. I feel like a lot of the the nudity is earned in the show because it, it actually does drive home how hard it is to be a woman in this world, and yet it goes way overboard in yeah. the aforementioned scenes. Yeah, so absolutely, a little of both. Finally, here we've got a death count. We're going to send off some of our favorite characters that passed off <gasps> in season one. We have Viserys Targaryen. <sighs> Cal Drogo, Cyril Pharrell, question mark, <laughs> and Ned Stark. And Lady. Um, and did lady. you really forget Lady? I lady. didn't forget Lady. We got to Lady. Not but lady. <laughs> those are some of the folks that left us there. Some of your, uh, some of the all-time favorites there. Uh, and Lady, yeah, Lady was might be one of the hardest deaths, lady. Tatiana. Oh, that lady. was just so unfair. On Say every something level. for these fallen characters as we end the show here today, Spencer. And now their watch has ended. Now their watch has ended, Michelle. I ask you this question. <laughs> I ask you this question, Michelle. Is Sirio Pharrell really dead? I think today was the day. That you're burying him? No. The death, and, and when death, when death yeah. comes, it's today. <laughs> what do we say to God, the, God of death? Lady? No, today. today. <laughs> and lady. May your, may your hair fur billow <laughs> in dog heaven. You didn't deserve to die. I love you. <laughs> and I guess no one wants to say anything nice about Viserys Targaryen, so I'll just say this. He had really pretty hair. So <laughs> that is did. our <laughs> recap of season really one of Game hair. of Thrones. You guys did a great job going through perhaps still considered the best season of Game of Thrones. So, so uh, there's a lot to get through. You guys did a great job, owner. Thank you all. Tatiana Carrier, first you are guest. Tell them where uh, you can be found on the internet. I'm all over the place. Um, currently, I'm on HLN, uh, a show called The Daily Share. It's all pop culture news. I used to work at Clever, which is a part of Defy. Yeah, used to be uh, here. Yeah, Clever Media. We keep it in the family, like Doing Targaryens the- and Lannisters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Incest. <laughs> Absolutely. Michelle Pure Boyd, thanks for joining me on this journey and the yeah. and the journeys and wars to come. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all at Michelle Boyd. Absolutely. Spencer, oh. Gilbert, you're around. You're find on me. everything here on this network. Well deserved. Uh, thank you for joining me, sir, the maester of our journey. Uh, all good, man. Thanks for having me. At Spencer J. Gilbert. And if you're on Screen Junkies Plus, you know what it is. That's right. I'm Ken Napsok, and we will be here live every Monday, 1 p.m. on Screen Junkies Plus. And, of course, you have the podcast feeds as well, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, where you can join in the conversation. We'll be live every Monday following Game of Thrones Season 6. Once we get into it, it's going to be fun to react. So uh, you're going to be also to Skype in. We've got some games involving you and the fans out there. we got some uh, other segments coming. And you can join the conversation even now as you're listening and watching hashtag watching thrones on twitter and get up into conversation with us it's going to be fun special thanks to lon harris for all his research on this fine show and being able to talk with him in the office about game of thrones as a job has been amazing and jt in the booth special thanks also to dark horse and things from another world for these excellent game of thrones props toys and accessories so until next time the night is dark and something something we'll see you around we love you lady Yeah.